This episode of Market Foolery is brought to you by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Rocket Mortgage brings the mortgage process into the 21st century with a fast, easy, and completely online process. Check out Rocket Mortgage today at quickenloans.com fool. It's Tuesday, August 9th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Mark Reith, and joining me in studio today from Million Dollar Portfolio, Jason Moser. Hey, hey. And Balloonicorn, as well. As well. I as mean, always. As, as, as usual. She's always with us in spirit. Yes. Now, at least she is with us at the table. Moral support. As well. Uh, we've got plenty to talk about today. Uh, lots of retail earnings uh, from Gap, from Wayfair, and of course, we're going to talk about the future of Lululemon. Uh, but let's begin with Coach. Uh, Coach for the quarter actually had a pretty great quarter. And I say actually because <laughs> in my mind, we're just so used to Coach reporting not so great quarters. And yet, I went back and I looked at the Coach's last couple of quarters and their history here. Uh, for the fourth straight quarter, uh, earnings beat. Uh, earnings beat expectations, and they certainly came in higher than the very low earnings results uh, they had uh, a year ago. So, Coach. Has been a bit of a role here, Jason. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's 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 important to note that this is a fundamentally different company and investment idea than uh, maybe we espoused even just a few years ago. I mm. think I mean anybody invested in Coach or looking to invest in Coach needs to view this as just another retailer. Mm. And and I think. Uh, that differs from from even just a few years ago, and that in that coach still was on the cusp of kind of being a luxury retailer or at least affordable luxury. And so, a time ago, I mean, those handbags were actually pretty special, and it was kind of a big deal if you were able to get your hands on a real coach handbag because you're talking like five, six hundred bucks. Sure, a bit of a sign of success, so to speak, and um, and they were a bit unique. And fast forward to today. Uh, we kind of know how the picture's shaken out, and 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 Michael Kors is another competitor in the industry that is that is kind of helping that cause. Uh, there's a point where your your brand loses its luster right. it, when you're trying to grow, and 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 part of that growth strategy is maybe in offering lower price points and in ways to bring more customers into your sort of uh, your your store. That's good, and that you're bringing more customers in the store. But by the same token, you're losing sort of the luster of that luxury or affordable luxury style retailer. And Coach ran into that buzzsaw a while back, and and so they've been trying to figure out exactly how to deal with that. And and we would see quarter in and quarter out. They talk about becoming a lifestyle brand mm-hmm. and uh, focusing more on things like uh, clothes and shoes, along with all of the handbags and wallets and other trinkets. And and it's worked out okay. I mean, to your point, and I think it's it's the right one. For the past couple of years, they've really been turning in some nasty numbers. Oh, yeah. and, and when you look at the the numbers they turned in today, uh, total North American sales were up nine percent versus being down twenty percent same quarter a year ago. <laughs> International sales up fifteen percent versus being down five percent from the same quarter a year ago. So definitely far better. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, than things looked uh, even just a year ago. I think the Stuart Weitzman acquisition is. Gaining a little traction, I think it's giving them sort of another brand to kind of fall back on. I don't know that it'll ever be that material. Um, it's also worth knowing there was an extra week in the quarter yeah, that sure. they reported, and that's fine. Yeah. I, I think you just you got to take a win any which way. Right now, <laughs> I guess coach that's management. A good point. Uh, but I think that given 
now what we know now in that this is just a, a basic retail play i think valuation becomes a far more crucial variable mm-hmm. in the, in the equation and and so you look at shares today and they're trading somewhere around 20 times earnings to me that that is far too high a premium to pay for a brand that i don't think we'll ever see those those days of being a luxury retailer ever again um, it's not to say it can't be a good investment. I, I just think that really you need to be very picky when it comes to price mm. um, on, on investments like these. And so, hats off to him for a good quarter. Sure. I hope that trend continues, mm-hmm. but it's not something that uh, makes me feel like this is a, a worth a look today for investors. Not diving right in immediately. And we're going to no. get back to Coach in a second. I want to keep talking about this, but I also want to mention Gap. Uh, Gap also reported yep. earnings uh, earlier today. Kind of the opposite end of the spectrum from Coach, whereas Coach was once, as you said, almost basically a, a luxury retailer. Gap has never exactly been a luxury retailer. Um, perhaps their their most luxurious brand, uh, Banana Republic, uh, sales at Banana Republic stores fell 9%. Uh, the sixth straight quarter of decline there. Uh, you see old or Gap uh, really relying on Old Navy and sort of again those those discount brands. You know, I don't shop at Old Navy unless I've got an email in my inbox that says forty percent off jeans, <laughs> and you get those emails every Tuesday and Thursday. You know, uh, from these companies. So, uh, is Gap ever going to run into the same sorts of problems that uh, Coach was running into, or because Gap never really had aspirations of being a luxury uh, retailer, is it okay for Gap to just kind of? Cruise on these sales. I think I would harp more on your latter point there, mm-hmm. in that they are not, they never were a luxury retailer, so to speak. And um, just, I think their earnings are coming out in like a week. I think today was right, sort right. of a pre-announcement. Yeah. It was announcement of July sales. Um, they gave us the second quarter comp, so we did get a picture, some of what what is going to come out here in the earnings release. And um, and, and to that to that point, it was. Uh, I think what we've always argued with Gap, what has been one of its traditional strengths in in not being a luxury retailer, is that they always had this sort of collection of brands under its umbrella where mm-hmm. they could rely on uh, strength in one to pick up for the weakness of another. Right. And um, there was a time where that was working out pretty well for them. It seems like lately um, it's not been working out as well. I mean, I'm sitting here right now in my. Old Navy shirt and Old Navy shorts and looking great. Why? Thank you. I'll stand up for everybody to see here. I mean, mm-hmm. Dan, what do you think? Balloonicorn likes what she's seeing. Now what? Easy. I so for me though, it, Old Navy. It's kind of because number one, I'm pretty cheap when it comes to my clothes. <laughs> no, <laughs> having, having kids will do that to you. <laughs> sure. And I'm also somewhat lazy. I I don't typically leave the house worried too much about what I wear. And I'm going to blame the Motley Fool a little bit for that, because we have no dress code. Oh, yeah. And I'm all right with that. I think I'm still I'm in the same gym shorts I was wearing on Market Foolery with you the other week. Is that I, what that smell is? Yeah, that's about right. Uh, that's not Balloonicorn. That's all right, me. Okay. Um, yeah, I think I think with Gap, the, the, the nice part about this is they never were in, the, in that luxury or, or affordable luxury sort of retailer class to begin with. And right. so, I think the biggest concern here is what has traditionally been a strength in Old Navy mm-hmm. is, is showing some weakness. And that could be a problem. We'll see how sort of the back to school numbers start to play out here towards the end of the year. It seems like July numbers portend a tough quarter to come as well. 
So again, I mean, a good retailer to to own, but you got to be able to to sell it when you feel like the stock is reflective of very optimistic um, expectations. I mean, there was a time back when we were running our real money portfolios here at the Motley Fool, and I had one, and I brought gap into that portfolio based on a very very cheap valuation, based on what I saw some catalysts that would unfold over the coming uh, years, and that worked out. And then I sold it when I felt like the stock had kind of gotten to where I felt like it. it, it the multiple it deserved. Sure. And so I think with any retail investment, gap is 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 in this class as well. You got to make sure you know when to go ahead and cut it loose. It's a good business. It's a very relevant business with a tremendous global presence. A lot of good brands under its umbrella. I think there's a lot of pessimism out there today, and I think this one trades for somewhere in the neighborhood of like twelve to thirteen times earnings versus Coach at twenty. Right. I mean, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna take one over the other, I'm gonna give Gap probably a closer look here, with the understanding that this is not a buy to hold investment. This is a buy and be ready to sell when you feel like the picture has gotten better. And then you can kind of you know rinse and repeat if you feel like the company's uh, fairly reliable. Ten second answer, give it to me. Gap or Coach? Who are you buying today? Uh, Gap. Okay. All right. That's all I needed. That was less than ten seconds. That was impressive. Uh, let's jump into Wayfair. So it's a it's a retailer as well, but of a different breed. Uh, Wayfair is an online retailer, uh, sort of competing with Amazon, I suppose. And we'll get to that point in a moment. Uh, Wayfair announced earnings earlier today. I really didn't like what I saw in terms of expenses here. Uh, their sales increased 60%, but expenses rose nearly 70%. What is happening at Wayfair? Mark, I think we may need to just get you on the investing team full-time here, because you really hit the nail on the head there. Um, the sell-off in the stock today, I think, makes a lot of sense. Mm. And I think the biggest question for these guys, looking down the road, further down the road, is whether or not they will be able to actually pull back on that expense side to help realize, to help unlock some profitability in this business model. Um, anybody who listens to the show, anybody who's a member of, of our of, of Million Dollar Portfolio knows I'm a fan of the business. I've got this business on the watch list in Million Dollar Portfolio. I've had it on there for a while. And there are a lot of things to like about it. I mean, it's a founder-led culture. I think they're tackling a really uh, cool sort of niche market there in e-commerce with, with home furnishings. And and they are winning that that battle. I mean, they're taking share from your your brick and mortar retailers like Bed Bath and Beyond, for example. I think the biggest question though is, at some point, the argument for this for this stock, if it's if it's going to be an attractive investment, the argument is they're going to be able to pull back on the expense side, and and part of that includes a big a big part of that includes the marketing spend that they're they're, they're spending heavily on today in order to sort of create that brand awareness, and and keep Wayfair out there at, at the front of people's minds when they're considering home furnishings. At some point, they're gonna need to be able to to cut back on that fairly significantly, and if they can't. Then it's going to be a problem. Now, if we look at all of the other metrics really in play here, they all look really encouraging. I mean, sales are growing nicely. Sure. Uh, percentage of orders placed by repeat customers, a crucial metric for them, uh, was up 100 basis points from a year ago. And that's really encouraging. Customer base is up to somewhere around 6.7 million now. Mm -hmm. um, the questions we have on MDP, the one, we've been kicking this around a lot as far as to, to sort of the concerns we have with the business. And I mean, there are a few of them. Um, we're trying to figure out what really is the most reasonable assumption for the the customer base for these guys mm -hmm. in the long run. How big can that customer base get? What's a reasonable assumption as to how many purchases a customer is going to make from a Wayfair uh, site over the course of a year? 
And, and then, furthermore, I mean, is it does Wayfair have that same sort of flywheel effect that Amazon currently has? I think they're taking a page out of Bezos's playbook, investing heavily in supply chain, mm-hmm. really trying to whittle down the distance between the product and the and the, and the customer. Uh, offering guaranteed shipping windows, taking control of the last mile. I think those are all the right moves. They need to do that. And it's paying off when you look at the top line. Our bottom line is, are they going to be able to realize that profitability? The stock was pretty optimistically priced going into this earnings. I'm not surprised it's selling off based on the expenses uh, ticking up there. And it's one that we have a stock talk later today. We're going to talk a little bit more about it. Hmm. Um, it's one that'll that'll remain on the watch list, because we do like the business. Just a, uh, it's it's a bit of a spicier meatball, as they like to say, and and I think ultimately the question we framed to the team is, are we better off, rather than investing in Wayfair, are we better off just taking that money and and building our position in Amazon.com? Well, that's always the question. Whenever we talk online retailers, Amazon is always in the in the right. conversation. It just has to be. There's always the threat of Amazon eating your lunch. And to your point. You know, Wayfair—it's—it's it's in that growth phase. It's not super worried about profitability, at least not yet. You know, clearly, as you said, the sell-off today has some investors worried mm-hmm. about that. But Amazon was never worried about profitability, and <laughs> yeah. and its investors worried a lot about that. And Jeff Bezos and the company said, "No, no, no, don't worry. Growth, growth is the name of the game." Is that the name of the game for Wayfair, or is it just such a different business because it's so focused on furniture? That and as you said, how many how many bed frames is one person going to buy per year over at Wayfair? I mean, is are they allowed? Should they be given the same amount of breathing room and leeway to wait and find profitability eventually that Amazon was given, or was that only given to Amazon because it's freaking Amazon? Well, I, I well it was, it was given to Amazon eventually. I mean, for the longest time we've we've battled this back and forth. I think a lot of people really criticized uh, Jeff Bezos for just. Spending all of the money they made right. and, and never bringing any earnings per share to the table for for Wall Street. Uh, fast forward to today, it's it's clear as day why he was making those investments, and it's clear as day that it's paying off, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, the internet sort of opened up this wild west of e-commerce where there was a lot of land out there to grab, and there still is. And so I think that with Wayfair, what they're doing is is the right thing. Um, it's it's a question of whether it. Will materialize in sort of the same style, the same type of customer loyalty that Amazon has today. And I think, I mean, when we look at commerce in general, retail commerce, e-commerce, and we've we've seen here this this Walmart purchase of Jet.com, which right. I think a lot of us have been fairly critical of. And part of that is just because it's so blatantly obvious that Walmart was so asleep at the wheel when it came to e-commerce. And they're trying to write the ship by making this Jet.com acquisition, which I don't think is going to pan out for them very well. And part of the reason is because that Walmart elicits no customer loyalty whatsoever, zero, right. zippy. If you could go into negative, I think they would even elicit negative customer sentiment. Whereas Amazon, I believe, has done nothing but grow its customer loyalty as time has gone on because of all those investments that Bezos has made, because of the Prime relationship and and, and building more value into that Prime relationship. I wonder the question I have with with Wayfair. I wonder if there is a, a, a prime style relationship that they could build from this. I, I tend to think yes, because I think Wayfair. For most people think of Wayfair as bed frames, couches, whatnot, but they sell a lot of those smaller knickknack items, towels, sheets, pillows, and whatnot that are far easier to ship, far less costly, far easier to get to you in a quick fashion. 
So uh, it, it, the jury's still out. Obviously, I think the market still feels pretty optimistic that they're doing the right things, even even with today's sell-off. I tend to think so as well. I think that uh, it's a riskier play, uh, and it's one where price certainly matters more. You're also taking a bit of a leap of faith that that the market is going to continue to kind of give it uh, some leeway there in in spending spending to build the business uh, because this is truly one of those longer term sorts of investments that you're going to have to be very patient with. Absolutely. Okay. So before we get to the Twitter mailbag, uh, I have to mention that this episode of Market Foolery is brought to you by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. If you've ever bought a home, then you already know how frustrating and time consuming getting a mortgage can be. I see you shaking your head yes over there, Jason. Well, Mark, as you know, I like to collect houses. And it's a frustrating process. <laughs> it must be tough having all of those houses, especially getting mortgages for them in the old-fashioned pen and paper way. I personally am a renter. I know I don't uh, anticipate or look forward to uh, buying a house and just going through all the paperwork and all the hassle there. Uh, Rocket Mortgage brings that mortgage approval process into the 21st century by taking all the complicated, time-consuming parts of applying for a mortgage out of the equation. Uh, with Rocket at Mortgage, you can easily share your bank statements, you can look at the pay stubs at the touch of a button, and it helps you get approved in minutes for a custom mortgage solution tailored to your own financial situation. Balloonicorn has that sound to you. Amen. So, if you're looking to refinance your mortgage or buy a home, check out Rocket Mortgage today at quickenloans.com/fool. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org number 3030. Uh, let's dive into again before we get to the mailbag. We should also take a look forward uh, at Disney. Disney is reporting earnings today uh, at the at close of the market, and there's a lot to look forward to with Disney. A lot of things going on with the company. They've got the new uh, Chinese uh, park opened uh, three months ago, so we should see some numbers from that. Uh, we're going to hear more about how ESPN might be, you know, disentangling itself from all the cable madness. Zootopia, uh, obviously, and Finding Dory were big hits this year. Uh, Jason. Disney reports earnings later today. What's the one thing you want to hear about? What are you looking forward to? Yeah, I think there's a lot of certainty on the horizon regarding its content, whether it's Star Wars or the next Frozen or whatever other movies, shows are coming out with. Those are certainties. I think Disney Shanghai is proving to be a certainty as well mm. in that it's been very well received. I think the biggest question is regarding ESPN. You mentioned it. Um, there are signs that they're starting to dip a toe in the water of over-the-top or digital uh, distribution in some capacity. And ultimately, we knew that was going to happen eventually, and they were going to try to figure out a way to sort of unbundle themselves and, and offer it to, to yeah, the biggest a broader consumer base. Yeah, it's the biggest media company in the world. Of course, they're going to try to find a way to do this. Yeah. Can they? I, and I, I ultimately think they can. I think the attractive nature of sports and that it's global... Uh, it, it translates everywhere. I think there are just tremendous interests, and in you think outside of, of the United States and think about globally speaking, uh, sports like cricket, where there is a tremendous following. I, I think there's always room for sports all, all around the globe, and I think for ESPN, I think for Disney, it makes sense to figure out a way to become uh, over the top available, take advantage of the move to mobile. I, I think it'd be fairly easy for them to offer a compelling product at an attractive price point uh, and go well beyond just the folks who have a cable subscription at home but mm -hmm. but that'll be that'll be the one thing I'm looking at I mean I want I want to see if they offer us any more clarity on uh, 
where they're looking uh, looking to go with ESPN. Something to look forward to. Uh, I'm looking forward to diving into the Twitter mailbag. Now, we've <laughs> yeah. never done this before. We're always happy to take questions or comments or concerns uh, about the show at radio at fool.com. But Jason, before the show, you posted on your Twitter feed and your at TMFJMO, I yep. believe it is, That's the uh, one. that we are periscoping today's show. You can watch it live on Periscope. Hello, people out there. Uh, and we'll take our favorite Twitter questions. Uh, so we had a couple of replies to that post. Let's get to uh, a couple of them. Uh, at Mike W. Pair, P-A-R-E, uh, writes, Winners or losers between Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter in the story wars, now that moments will be open to public. And we saw Instagram created its stories uh, service, basically the exact same thing you saw that Snapchat has. Sure. Uh, who wins in that in that space? You know, Instagram has the backing of Facebook and all the money there. Twitter has a huge following, as does Snapchat. Uh, JMO, who do you like out there? Yeah, I, I mean, I, it's going to be sound like a cop out, maybe, but I think they're all winners. I think <laughs> the key for any of these platforms is, is the unique purpose that they serve, and mm-hmm. I think they all serve a unique purpose that the other doesn't necessarily the, the other doesn't necessarily serve. Um, and so, Snapchat seems to be a very good messaging medium, especially for the young, younger dem- demographic. Um, Instagram already has a tremendous network at 500 million or so, very visual oriented platform. And Twitter, which I mean, Twitter is basically the operating system of news. I mean, that's where they really shine is that live sort of in the moment, real time information in whatever vertical you want to consider politics, finance, sports, Mm. it's all good. So I think they all stand a chance to win because really these are all moves just to engage their users more. Um, I, I just I, I think it's kind of short-sighted and a bit naive, honestly, to to try to look at, at this media space as a zero-sum game. I think hmm. we're looking at the the media space of the 21st century here taking shape, and I think all three properties are going to be an important part of it. We're all winners as long as we're having sure. fun. Why not? Uh, at P Gun Invests, right? If you had to run a company today for the next five years, what would you pick to run? So, if you were the CEO of any company out there, choose a company you had to run it for the next five years. And I'm going to turn to Dan Boyd in just a moment behind the glass to ask him the same question. I can see him rolling his eyes, but I don't care. I want to get him in on the game. Jason, what company would you want to run? So, I was thinking maybe it would be Chipotle, but then my problem with that is I would eat all the time, and sure. it probably wouldn't be good for my figure. Mm-hmm. But in line with the five years, I would I would go run SiriusXM. Really, it would be right in line with Howard Stern's re-up for the next five years. So basically, you know that you're going to be a winner for the next five years because <laughs> he's going to be there, and that company is going to do okay. Okay, and then you can go out on top, pull a Costanza, <laughs> leave him wanting more. I'm going with SiriusXM. SiriusXM. Dan Boyd behind the glass. What company would you want to be CEO of for the next five years? Under Armour, because I'm running out of shirts. Under Armour, because he's running out of shirts, ladies and gentlemen watching on Periscope who couldn't have heard that. Uh, Great choice. Makes a lot of sense on a practical level. Uh, (laughs) I like the way the two of you think. It's great stuff. Uh, We've got at Death Strip Mall. Uh, he's asking, I'm curious about your thoughts on Etsy and Groupon, both on a serious tear year-to-date. E-commerce trend, or is it just because of low expectations? Probably more low expectations. I think Groupon is a business that's always going to be trying to appeal to sort of the lowest common denominator. I think when you look at other players in the space, like a, it's a social living social, I think, um, that's just a not an attractive space to be in, hmm. um, online couponing. I think Etsy has the potential to build up a little bit more customer loyalty than than something like Groupon, but again, 
you'd have to convince me that my money isn't better spent building up more shares in, in Amazon, and I think you're probably better off just investing in Amazon, honestly. Okay. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, last two questions here are easily my favorite two questions. The first uh, is from at CMG Chickajo. I don't know. Genou, yes. I apologize for mispronouncing that. But he asks, what will Rhoda Pitcher's next job or board appointment be? Uh, that's Rhoda Pitcher, for those of you who haven't heard out there, by the way, first of all, is easily my favorite story of 2016. She is the one of the longest tenured board of directors members over at Lululemon, and a reporter tried to interview her about comments that this former CEO, Chip Wilson, made about the board of directors being too stodgy. That reporter couldn't find any information about Rhoda Pitcher, or even you know, even, the, even the most basic of information about her, and the rumor began that she was, in fact, a ghost, or just made up. Uh, current CEO of Lululemon, Laurent Potdevin, uh, went on CNBC uh, towards the end of July to put these rumors to bed and say, hey, listen, Rhoda is a part of the team. She's been essential since day one. She's the reason I'm here. She's great. CNBC reporter asks, okay, so she's going to be on the board of directors uh, for a while. And Laurent goes, <laughs> absolutely. And less than three weeks later, on August 3rd, it was announced that Rhoda Pitcher will be resigning from the board of directors at Lululemon. Where will she land, Jason? What is Rhoda Pitcher's next job? I feel like, due to her ephemeral nature, maybe Snapchat's the most logical <laughs> destination. That makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, I just I can't wait. I I hope she makes some sort of speech, like a farewell address, or anything like that. But again, I don't think we've actually heard her make a statement at all yet. Uh, this remains my favorite story of 2016. I I. Pray that she finds a new company to land at so we can hear more about Rhoda. Let's wrap up with uh, perhaps the best question we've ever been asked uh, by at Mark Koss. Uh, at Mark Koss Ray. I'm going to have to get better at pronouncing these if we do this Twitter mailbag again. Uh, he asks Have you ever put at TMF Chris Hill's voice on half speed? Hilarious. <laughs> that's, that's a question followed up by the sentiment, right? I, I've not done that, but um, you better believe I'm going to do yeah, that. Yeah, you after can this. guarantee that's going to be happening now. Maybe uh, you ever have any trouble going to sleep? Perhaps that's perhaps that's the way to do it. It's just smooth jazz. Sure, I mean, it's already sure. just so smooth. Get and that, that heart rate speed. down. My God. All right, Jason Moser, Balloonicorn. Thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Mark Reith. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.